welcome back to the show this week. I'm your host, Christy Martin, and I'm a life and human design coach, and I am here to just empower and inspire your own self-project journey. So I have got an incredible guest for you today. I have incredible guests for you every week, um, and that's the best part. I only bring you I only bring you the best, right? I bring you the, the, the most incredible people that have these amazing stories and these amazing tools and resources that they've developed because of their personal journey and that they're not helping others and and it's just incredible so uh, other things going on here if you have not heard the incredible news the book that i helped to co-author stop overworking and start overflowing 25 ways to transform your life using human design that is now available it is out it has been released and you can order a personalized copy right on my website so if you scroll down to show notes, we'll be able to link right away to that, or you can visit www.theselfprojectstudio.com backslash S-O-S-O, so-so, okay? And I want to read you a really quick review that we got left on Amazon that I just, I really love this review, and the title is, Where Has This Been My Whole Life? And this person gave us five stars and she says, the stories and tools are so powerful in this book. I resonated so much with these authors. I didn't quite understand it until I read this book, but what I think was even more powerful is seeing it in action and how it can support our own decision-making process. This book goes beyond human design. It's about how to live a life and flow in joy and on purpose. You have to get it. And I agree with this reviewer, you have to get it. So really incredible review really thankful for that person who took the time to read it and i have to admit there's beyond just my my story in here where i am talking about parenting there's so many other incredible stories in here um uh you know talking about just burnout and how to work with more flow um how to be aligned how to find your voice how to reimagine your retirement so Really, really great resource. Make sure you go and check that out. And now we're going to go ahead and we're going to dive into our show today. Welcome back to the show today. And I am really excited to be able to have on with us today, Jillian Lama. And Jillian is the founder of the body you crave method. And she's a certified life weight loss and mindset coach. Who's teaching women how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight and feel amazing in their bodies. So I just have to thank you, Jillian, for giving your time for being here today. I'm really excited to hear you share more with this because as somebody who's struggled with emotional eating my entire life and so many other women as well. Right. And men too. I would love to hear more of your story though. So if you don't mind sharing just kind of those really important pieces of your story that led you to be so passionate about helping other people with this today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. You know, I didn't realize that I was an emotional eater for a long time. You know, I thought my problem was I just needed to low carb harder. I just needed to exercise more. I just needed to find the right diet or I needed more willpower. You know, a lot of times we we aren't actually solving for the right problem. If you are eating because it tastes good or you're eating because you want to relax and unwind or you're eating because you just need a break or, you know, there's a variety of reasons in which we are emotionally eating not just that we wake up 
in the morning and we've got crumbs falling down and chocolate smeared on our face, or we think of it of, of emotional eating as this kind of like big elaborate thing or something to be really ashamed of when really at least 95% of the population will emotionally eat at least once throughout the week. So when we kind of take it back, it's like, okay, well, let's start to look at where is this coming up and how does this, you know, how can I now start to solve for the emotions and stop trying to solve my emotions with food, right? Because food solves hunger, it doesn't solve emotions. And so there's a variety of things that we have to look at with that. But my story probably starts back when I was, you know, seven, eight years old, thinking that I was fat. And it was just little comments from people who meant well, but, you know, it, the way that my little brain interpreted it was, oh, I must be fat. I must be overweight. Being fat was bad. I should be skinnier. I should look different. And it was, you know, like my aunt saying, oh, be careful. Don't stretch out those clothes. I just washed them. So really from a young age, starting to realize like, oh, okay, I'm bigger and I'm I might mean I'm stretching out clothes and that's bad. You know, like things like starting to piece these little instances together, or I hadn't seen my grandmother in a couple of years because we had moved across the country. And so when I was 12, we, my sister and I flew back and my grandmother then was like, oh my goodness, look how skinny you are. Like that's, I can't get over how tall and skinny you are. And she was just like floored because, you know, there's a big difference between a 10 and a 12 year old. But instead of feeling proud or like, oh, yay, now I'm skinny. This is great. It was oh, well, I guess I really was fat back then. I guess I was overweight. So that was bad. I don't want to go back to that. And so it's really just about piecing together and, you know, having compassion for how we are making sense of the world as a young kid and really being able to work through that now as an adult, because sometimes it's comments that people make, you know? So that's really what kind of started this really conscious awareness around body image, how I look compared to other people in my early twenties. Well, so I'd kind of, my weight went up and down throughout high school. I had gained a lot of weight in my senior year. And by a lot, I mean, I went from like hundred pounds, which was way too low on my frame to like 125, but to have gained 25 pounds felt like a huge and utter failure, even though I was at a more appropriate weight for my size. I'm only five foot three on a good day. So it was, you know, it's, I'm not, I'm very petite. I'm very small to begin with, but the weight gain really set me up to struggle then in college. And I kept thinking, well, I just have to low carb. I just have to run more. I just have to, you know, restrict and cut carbs and cut calories and eat as little as humanly possible and still run cross country, still, you know, exercise, still do all the things. It was a big struggle throughout college as well, trying to feel good in my own body, trying so hard for years to lose weight with just the eat less, exercise more approach and not feeling like I was getting anywhere. Um, And there'll be times, you know, I think it's, it's interesting when we look at, you know, times with like my grandmother again, she was like, you know, if I didn't know any better, I'd think you were pregnant. And I'm like 21, 22 years old, right? And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I better go run some more. Like I better go run an extra three miles today. Like I really have to get this under control. Or um, a few years after that, like a, I was kind of showing off my my six pack abs to a boyfriend. And then the next week it wasn't quite as like flat. I still had like a little bit of a belly because I tend to carry a little bit of weight in my belly midsection right there. So it's really hard for me. Like I really have to like starve myself basically in order to get a super flat stomach. And so then the next week I didn't have it. And he looked at me and was just like, what, what happened? Like, as if I was in like this fatal accident or something, you know, like this, (laughs) it's like, 
well, wait, what happened there? And so it just brought up a lot of self-consciousness, a lot of worry about my body, a lot of things around, well, I'm bad if I don't look this certain way or I'm not as attractive. Um, and so again, just find, you know, these re these pieces that just reinforce all throughout our lives. And so it, that really lasted all through my twenties was really just being at war with food, um, at war with my body, trying to punish myself with exercise and not, not feeling comfortable in my own skin, not feeling like confident and, um, really like obsessively exercising, not being able to take a day off, um, not wanting to try even a single bite of anything that had potatoes or pasta or rice in it. Um, like getting anxiety around eating those, you know, like little panic attacks of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're trying to make me, you know, like they, they want me to have a bite of this. And it's like in the moment I would, but then I'm have, I have all these thoughts about, well, you just blew it. You shouldn't be eating carbs. This is really bad. And so it's just a, all of the, really what I had to start to unlock was all of the mind drama that I had around food and body image. And so that was really when I started to recognize like, oh, I'm eating and I'm not truly hungry. And I, this was when I was like, 30, 31 ish, something in that time frame. Um, this was a few years ago. And that's when I started to figure out, okay, why am I reaching for food when I'm not truly hungry? Because that at its core is emotional eating is I'm, I'm turning to food. I'm turning to this other thing and I'm not truly physically hungry. And that for me, when I could get on the path and start solving for that. And it took me a few tries. Like I, I joined different programs. I listened to different podcasts. I tried different courses, different coaches, and I, it took me a while to actually find someone and figure out how to actually do this. A lot of people I think have really good intentions. They try hard, but they also like miss the mark. So, um, you know, I've had my fair share of people that I've worked with where I didn't get the results I wanted, where I didn't lose weight, where I was really disappointed with their coaching. And uh, I think that the point though, is to not give up on yourself and to not give up on solving what you know is like a habit or for you mate, you might see as like, this is a problem. This is not something I want to continue. That's so good. Um, while you're sharing, you know, your story and telling us, you know, all these different scenarios, I keep thinking and relating of different stories as I was growing up and even into adulthood, um, of, of the same thing comments on my weight, um, mm -hmm. being broken up with a boyfriend because I gained weight and, and it really kind of breaks my heart that other, a, a lot of people listening to this episode are going to be having those same stories, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, oh, that reminds me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Something like that happened to me. And, um, and it's just, it's just so frustrating because too, when you shared 95% of the population emotionally eats at least once a week. Right. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's huge. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, when I was opening it up, I was thinking, I bet nearly everybody has struggled with this at some point, right. Mm -hmm. At some point in our life, we're all, um, you know, we're going to go through traumatic, tragic, really emotional things throughout our life. And, um, we turn to different things for comfort. So it could be food, mm -hmm. alcohol, mm -hmm. um, uh, shopping. Yeah. Shopping. Yeah. So like, um, it's just, it's so important to realize that. So it may not be food, yeah. but, um, it, it kind of reminded me sometimes I think, have we, have we come far enough? We see all this great body, body positivity things. I see a lot more of like, it's not about diet, right? We're making lifestyle mm -hmm. changes. Like we're really, I feel moving, you know, 
away from the diet culture, right? We've recognized that diet culture and, and more people are wakening up to that. But I wanted to share a personal experience actually with my son. So I have five mm-hmm. boys and they all have very different body compositions, right? Three of them are more on kind of the leaner and taller side. And two of them are um, kind of you know, think of like your typical football player and they actually play mm-hmm. football and they're both like in the defensive line and, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. They're really good sized kids. And, and it's, and they've heard this their whole life growing up. He's such a big kid. Like he's uh-huh. a good sized kid. And we heard it from their doctor. I took them to physicals the other day and they're just like, you know, with one of my boys, they're like, he's 10. He's so big. Like he's, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and we got home from the doctor later and my son's like, He goes, I can't believe I weighed, you know, the amount that he weighed on the scale. And I said, well, I said, does that worry you? And he goes Mm -hmm. a little bit. He goes, that's kind of fat. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, like that just broke my heart because it was, I've raised, tried so hard to raise them to not, um, for me to not talk like that, for me to not Mm -hmm. be that way around them. And it's just like, you can't prevent it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, you pick up and you learn so much as a kid, you're just absorbing everything around you for the first seven, eight years to where it's at school and it's at, you know, friends' houses and it's in the media, it's on the news. It's, you know, it, we really do pick up all the things around us and we don't quite realize how pervasive some of these thoughts and ideals um, and this conversation is. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I just thought I wanted to share that story because that, um, you know, it's still happening today, right? Mm -hmm, It's still mm -hmm. happening today. The kids are picking up these perceptions again of what mainstream media is telling them, what their friends are telling them, family. So, um, yeah, yeah, just being really, I don't know, mindful of our words as a parent and working Mm -hmm. on ourselves. I think that that's the most important thing too, is them seeing us, even if we are struggling with these things, them seeing us, you know, working on it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we, the more that we have these kind of open conversations with our kids about um, and and talking and saying things out loud to ourselves in a positive way, Mm -hmm. um, you know, really being careful at what our kids pick up on, right? If you're nitpicking your body, your kids are going to sense that. I sense that from a young age that my mom wasn't happy with her weight, that my grandmother wasn't happy with her weight. Grandma actually had this like little, um, uh, magnet on the refrigerator that said a moment on the lips forever on the hips, you know, like these little sayings that are like little bouts of shame. Like I look back and I'm like, that's a little shame magnet, you know, like we think that this is what's going to help us. We think that these fitspiration boards on Pinterest are actually going to motivate us, but they actually just make us feel like crap most of the time. And so really being aware of what truly is motivating for for you and really thinking about your own self-talk and like how critical is it? How judgmental is it? How positive is it? How encouraging is it? Because the kids, your kids are going to pick up on that. And so it's how do we start to talk to ourselves the way that we would talk to our kids, the way that we would talk to a best friend? Because a lot of times those are very two different sounding conversations if we are like truly honest with ourselves. Um, And the other thing that I think can be hard is it's like, well, they can be happy in their body at that size, but I can't be happy with my body and my size. Or like one thing that like I used to think was, 
well, of course God can love me even though I'm not perfect, but I can't love me until I'm perfect. You know, it's like, of course other people can love me when I'm not perfect, but I can't love me. And it's like, how does that make any sense? So just starting to kind of question and be aware of it. There doesn't need to be any shame or judgment, but that awareness piece is so, so powerful. Uh, I, I want to throw in, what are you surrounding yourself with? Because you mentioned the magnet mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my God, how many of those was I surrounded by growing up? But it just yeah. like, it, it sits in your background. You become mm-hmm. uh, kind of immune to it, I guess, because you just see it there. But, you know, as much as we've learned about the subconscious mind over these last couple of years and how it's mm-hmm. constantly picking up the information around us. So even though you're not consciously like seeing that magnet anymore, your body's still picking it up every day and, and saying, is that true? Is that true? And it's Mm -hmm. keeping it. It's keeping Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Oh, I think that that was so important that, that you said that. So think about, yeah, not only your self-talk, but what are you, you know, do you have those quickly little things in your kitchen that are, you know, those silly little sayings that we think, oh, that's so funny, but the subconscious mind doesn't realize like that that's humor. (laughs) It's picking Uh it up just like as fat. Wow, right. that's, that's powerful. Um, so I, I really think, I love that you say we kind of start with this self-awareness because I feel like when you want to make a change anywhere, that's really where it starts is mm-hmm. kind of becoming aware of, like you said, the patterns, triggers, mm-hmm. um, and all of that. Like I know a huge trigger for my eating. Um, well, it, it kind of, used to be, I used to work night shifts as a nurse. So when I would start getting sleepy, that was like my go-to was like, ah, yeah. starting to get sleepy and then I would eat. Now I struggle with like, when I start getting bored, especially now that I work uh-huh. from home and if I'm kind of getting restless and bored, I'll find myself cruising through the kitchen. And I'm like, why am I even in here? Wait a minute. And it's just kind of like looking for that stimulation. So I think that it's so interesting. Like, why do we head for food? Like, do you have any ideas on that or or any? So our, yeah, like our brain has just realized that food is the most reliable, rapid and effective way of changing our state, our emotional state. That's it. We've just gotten in the habit of teaching our brain that, hey, this is a quick, easy fix. Um, That whenever this is happening, food will fix it. Whenever I'm feeling this way, food will fix it. Whenever I'm having these thoughts and thinking these things, then food will fix it. And it's, it's just a habit that we have, we have stepped into, whether it's from, you know, chronic dieting in the past and being on restrictive diets previously to where, um, you know, we want to reach for these foods then went to comfort a lot, right? Even think of that word like comfort food as if food can comfort us. It's a whole genre of food that, you know, tastes good and we reach for it when we're not feeling good and it's going to comfort and make you feel better. Um, so there's a variety of of reasons, but really it's just that we've created this association and this pattern and it really, it's just a false lift. So it's when these things happen. So we have circumstances in our life and when this circumstance comes up. So for example, like when I'm feeling tired, then I reach for, I reach for food, but what happens and we don't always see in between is that there's a thought and there's a, a, a thought about the circumstance. So it's like something like it's a permission giving thought. So it might sound like I need to stay awake. Um, 
you know, something, something along those lines to where then it's like, oh, this, this food is going to help fix this problem, but it only fixes it temporarily. It'll, it's, it's a short term fix. It might be that maybe you show up to the office in the morning and you have this like short snippy email from your boss or from um, a client or something like that. And maybe you feel anxious and nervous and you have a fear and it could be from a thought of like, well, I did something wrong. I messed this up. I'm going to get fired. Um, there could be something going on. And then it's like, okay, well, I just need to like calm my nerves. I need to settle my nerves. Let me grab a snack. <laughs> Let me grab a pastry. Um, it might be something in the afternoon where you're thinking, all right, I got the kids down, you know, they're, the kids are done with school, they're done with homework, they're off to their practices or whatever, and I can finally just take a breath and relax. So I'm going to scroll through Instagram, and I'm going to have some chocolate, or I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to relax and unwind. But a lot of times the way we do that, it's like, it's with a snack, it's with some food, it's with a glass of wine, it's, you know, with these other things. But it's it's a temporary fix. We're not actually solving for the real problem or the real issue underneath it, which is how are we thinking and how are we feeling about what's going on? Um, and so that's always going to look different for everybody. Um, there is no like one size kind of fits all. Um, it might even be something where you think you're pretty happy and you're pretty content and like life is pretty good, but there's this undercurrent of negativity, whether it's shame or blame or guilt, or you're not a good enough mom, you're not, what are you doing with your life? Who do you think you are to be running this business? You should be making more money. You, you know, like you have failed in this one area. It could be kind of this underlying current, which is what I thought for, or which for me, that was my issue was I kept thinking I needed a different job. Well, let me find a different job and then I'll stop emotionally eating. Let me get a different job. So I got different jobs, kept emotionally eating all through the different jobs. Well, I just need to be in my own business, got in my own business full-time, still emotionally eating, still procrastinating, still perusing the pantry, you know, in the afternoon, looking, trying to prolong my break or, you know, snacking in the evening or after dinner. And again, it all went back to these thoughts around, well, I should be further along. I should look a certain way. It's all the shoulds in our lives. And that for me was like finally piecing that together was like, oh yeah, I kept trying to change my circumstance thinking that that would change the habit when really what I need to change is the way that I think about myself, the way that I talk to myself, the way that I'm feeling like all throughout the day from the moment I get out of bed in the morning, first thing, like all day long, I need to be thinking of like, about the, the positive aspects and I need to be focused on positive reaffirmation about what I am getting right and doing well instead of getting into the negativity. So that is, that that's like a big thing. That was my thing. And that's what I help people realize is really start to understand and unwind these habits because they look so different for everybody. I love that you mentioned the undercurrent because I feel like that really resonates with me because it's, it's like, sometimes, like you said, you're cruising along and everything's going really great. And then it's like, I find myself in the kitchen and I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, Why? Why? So I think that that's so interesting. Um, that really resonated with me, that undercurrent. And then I was going to ask, like, how do we access the undercurrent? So I think you started already talking about that though. Like, the positive affirmations. Does a lot of this have to do with kind of like um, mindset and subconscious like mind? Yes, work? absolutely. So what I walk clients through is really identifying. So whenever they are, we're trying to kind of decode the eating habits. We want to look at where are you eating when you're not truly hungry? 
number one. And then where are you overeating and overindulging? Even if it's just a couple of bites, right? We want to look at where am I over consuming? And that is going to start to show us or bring some of that awareness in. So now I can start to focus on what am I feeling in those moments and what am I thinking in those moments that is creating that feeling? And so we, we kind of work backwards and we start to really unwind this kind of ball of yarn, this like knot of yarn, and we just start to pull a little bit. And it's not about getting it right. It's about asking the question and allowing ourselves to come up with the answer you know, at some point in the week. So giving yourself the time to, to give, you know, like actually think about it, but I can't tell you how many times clients have like messaged me later that night, the next day, it might even be two days later, but they're like, oh my gosh, I just realized the answer to the question that you asked me, you know, two days ago. And it's because we allow our subconscious to kind of have the question to simmer on it. And then it comes up when we're not trying to force it. So I think there's, there's room for both to give yourself time to actually think about it in the moment, like uh, putting your time and attention there, but also the freedom to be able to continue on with life and trust that the right, like everything's going to come to the surface. And, and once we start to recognize this, it doesn't mean that this, uh, this goes away for like ever, like this is still here. I still emotionally eat sometimes. I still overeat sometimes. And it gives me just new data to work with. Like my brain is just going to try and convince me in new ways how food is good or food will solve this. Or it might even be like, oh, you know what? You just worked out. You probably should eat something before you go to bed. You don't want to be too hungry tonight. You don't want to be too hungry tomorrow morning. Oh, you still have, like, I'm still nursing. So you, you better make sure you have that you know, breast milk production. So you, you should probably eat a snack. I know you're not hungry, but you might be. <laughs> and right. And so we want to start to look at where are we preemptively eating? And, and that's, that's ultimately how we start to access that. And, and part of what I do then is more as a life coach, we don't even just look at food because we don't eat in a vacuum. So we talk about your marriage. We talk about your kids. We talk about your job, your career, your business. Um, we talk about the in-laws. We talk about the holidays and the stressors and the triggers and, you know, church and, you know, these other activities and sports games and travel and holiday, you know, the, um, you know, vacations and whatnot, like there's so much that goes on that sometimes we just need to take that holistic approach and start to look at all of these other areas and we find the common threads, the common themes, and we, we start piecing it together, kind of like a puzzle, you know, like we, we get a couple pieces at a time and we just start putting them into place. And then eventually we get the whole big picture. I really appreciate how you say that like, um, then this doesn't mean that you're perfect, right? Like you said, mm -hmm. you still have those times where you're going to emotionally eat. Or like for me, um, I just finished writing a book chapter on uh, like having patience with my children. And I mentioned at the end, I said, does this mean that I still don't lose my cool with them and yell and right. sometimes not at all, right? Yeah. But but the the severity of it and and the frequency of it and the turmoil that it used to cause me, all of that is reduced. So yeah, I, really, I love that. <laughs> yes. So I, I love that you brought that up because I think it's really important for people to know that this is not like you still have to show up. And like you said, you still have to show up and do the work for it. It reminds me kind of being mm -hmm. in recovery. I'm in, mm -hmm. um, you know, alcohol recovery. You still have to show up every day and make that decision, right? Mm -hmm. To 
to choose you and to do the work for it. And like you said, you're not going to be perfect 100% of the time. But I think that that could be a misconception that that people have that maybe they go through a program like this, or they go through Mm -hmm. therapy, and it's going to be fixed, and everything's going to be fine. And they're never going to have this problem again, right? Right. Um, But yeah, I have a whole right, I have a whole podcast on perfectionist fantasies and tomorrow thinking and I think it's, it's like, I wrote this for the me like, four or five years ago, right? Like, and I still struggle to this day, there are still bouts of perfectionism that want to come up of like, this has to be or good enough or me. Okay. Maybe it's not a hundred percent, but it can be 99.5%. Like, <laughs> like there are still perfectionist tendencies that come up. And, and I have to remember that, like, it is just that it is a fantasy that we can be perfect. And so, and a lot of times it's like, okay, but I can get really, really close. And so we're really looking at how does that drive for perfection often say, turn into, well, I've already blown it today. I'll just try again tomorrow. Well, screw it. I'll just try again next week. Or, you know, and it's this idea that, well, tomorrow I can be perfect. Next week I can be perfect. Next week I'm not going to get this wrong. Like next week I'll have learned from this. Um, And we don't often dig into and actually learn from things um, because we're too busy judging and shaming ourselves rather than getting curious and honest about what's actually going on under the surface. So important. So then after that, after we, we've kind of worked through all of that, um, is there, like, do you recommend, are there other things? So when we get into that point and I'm like, I'm really bored right now, like I want to eat, what are some of like, maybe the, the, I want to say like the switch offs that you would recommend, like go for a walk or, yeah, right. So like it, part of it is like kind of stepping out of that routine. So it might be, yeah, like going for a walk. It could be um, watching a show, like watching 15 minutes of something. Um, A lot of, and it's really starting to identify why we are reaching for that snack when we're not hungry. So one of mine was, I'm either procrastinating putting off a task because I have thoughts about like, oh, it's going to be so much, it's going to be so hard. It's going to be time consuming. So really being clear on, hey, this project isn't really that hard. It's not that difficult. And if I'm looking for a break, I don't need a snack to have this break. If I'm looking to take, you know, to like have some downtime and and a lot of times with like as moms, as women, wives, like we are trying to juggle more many things, many balls. And we feel like we don't, we have to earn sitting down and taking a break. And one of the ways we justify it is, well, it's lunchtime. It's snack time. It's right. Like I can have this break because I'm, I'm having a snack Um, instead of, can I just take a break and relax? Even though there are still things left on my to-do list and things that I will get to, but like, can I just take a break and relax right now? And not over, estimate how much I think I can get done a day because we all have those lists of like 15 items and we're like well I could probably get like 12 of them done and we get two of them done and then we feel like crap and now we're emotionally eating because we feel like crap (laughs) and we're like judging ourselves it's such a vicious cycle I hope if you're listening that (laughs) you see the cycle that we put ourselves in and um it's okay to step out of it it's okay right. to step out of it yes absolutely so. so yeah so it could be going for a walk it's really identifying what's the underlying thing if it's something like yeah like i need a break can you take a break and enjoy something that's not food one thing that i do with clients is we have a successful urge tracker so Whenever I have a desire for food and I'm not truly hungry, I call that a food urge. So I differentiate cravings versus urges. Cravings um, are more of the physiological response that we often have based on too 
too much exercise and not enough food, um, trying to cut out entire food groups. It's your body's natural desire for food because you are restricting something else. So we, we manage cravings by looking at what you're eating holistically. We manage urges, which is this emotional desire for a food by tapping into the, the psychology of things. So when we have these urges, then we often what we want is we want to be able to do something. So I like to have clients write down like time, date, what they're craving, and then why they're choosing not to have it. So that way, because it's always a choice. So in that moment, when you're in the kitchen and you're like, oh, I just want something chocolatey and you ask yourself, well, am I hungry? And you're like, no. Okay. Well, I'm not going to eat. And sometimes even just writing that down as like, I'm not eating because I'm not hungry awesome. That's a win time to celebrate. Like now we want to, um, like you want to praise yourself. And then I also encourage people that once they hit like, you know, 15 or 20 of these successful urges in a month, then they go out and they like, they celebrate somehow. They look at giving themselves that reward for, Hey, all of these times I showed up for myself. So every single time you write something down, you're giving yourself that verbal affirmation, that, that mental praise, but you're also looking at like, oh, I'm going to get a mani-pedi when this is all done. Like I'm going to get a massage. I'm going to buy myself some new shoes. I'm going to do something that's nice for yourself that maybe you wouldn't have done otherwise as like a, hey, this, this was really awesome. Like regardless of what might be changing in other areas of your life, here's one thing that I'm getting right. Here's what's going well. And a lot of times what, because most of the time people come to me because they want to lose weight, but they don't want to give up their favorite foods. They don't want to give up the wine and pasta and pizza and burgers and fries, and they don't have to. But the way that that works is that we have to stop eating when we're not truly hungry. So that means we're really conscious and aware of the physical hunger versus the emotional hunger Mm -hmm. and looking at how do we really create a life that we love and a life that has joy and pleasure and adventure. And so we're not reaching for it at the bottom of a bag of M&Ms or cookies. I love that you bring up being conscious um, because oftentimes like right now I'm like, is my stomach, I'm, you know, having that little bit of growling and I'm like, okay, that's, you know, physiological mm-hmm. sign of hunger. But I love that you say it really requires you kind of dropping in the body to ask yourself because I stopped mm-hmm. for a minute to like feel that and say like, is it that? Yeah, I think it's that. Have I eaten, you know, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of times where we're like cruising through, especially I know I was famous for those eating on your lunch break and working at your desk and doing uh-huh. all of that. And we don't even like know what's happening in our body. Right. So I like yeah. to bring up being conscious, just to like being mindful of what's going on. Right. Because right. That's, I think when I start to, again, overeat, and emotionally eat is when I'm mindlessly just like, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Or it's like, it's on autopilot and you know, the holidays come up and it's like, like, you know, Halloween and then there's candy everywhere you get after Halloween, then there's leftover candy. Plus you get into like Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so now there's like, you know, pies and tarts and desserts and parties and cupcakes and all the things. And it becomes very easy just to grab it because it's there because it's on the platter. It's on the table. It's, um, you know, at the desk, it's, you know, all around us. And we just don't, we have to bring that. Yeah. We have to bring that consciousness back to what we're doing. Um, and, and really just, you know, be okay with it. So like for you, for right now, one thing for you, I would suggest would be to, you know, drink eight ounces of water. You feel a little growl in your stomach and you're like, all right, is this really hunger? 
try drinking some water. Sometimes we have faux hunger because we're actually dehydrated and we're thirsty. So you could drink eight ounces of water, check in with yourself in like 15 minutes. Now, not all of us have the quote luxury of being able to check in in 15 minutes and eat. Some of us have stricter, you know, eating windows in which you, you have a break at the office. So I think of like teachers, for example, you have a very specific lunch break and then you go back to teaching. So for people like that, or it may be, you know, nurses or, you know, somebody else to where you were going to time things throughout the day to where we can we'll work on timing it to where you are, are hungry at lunch and you're ready to eat and it lasts you throughout the day. That way you're not getting hangry and ravenous and, you know, your blood sugar is dropping and you want to like throat punch somebody like that is not the kind of hunger we are waiting for. We're just waiting for true physical signs of hunger um, without being afraid of it, you know, without preemptively eating um, and trusting that we're going to eat until satisfied. So it's not that I'm going to be hungry all day. A lot of us have been on diets in the past where it was like you were hungry all day, every day, and it like never went away because you could never eat enough to satisfy, you know, your body's desire for food and, and the nutrients that it needed. And so it, it's like, it takes the whole, we've got to look at everything collectively. We've got to look at sleep. We've got to look at water. Um, sleep and water are going to impact your cravings. They're going to impact that desire for food and to munch and crunch and snack. Um, it, but like I, even today, so I had lunch, I had some grilled, we have a garden. So I had some grilled squash and zucchini, some broccoli, and then I had some chicken and I dipped my chicken in some Chick-fil-A sauce. So I'm not perfect. Like there's no sense of perfection. It's like, what foods do you actually enjoy? And I love me some Chick-fil-A sauce every now and then, you know, <laughs> but I had this thought of like, oh, well, you know, you didn't really have many carbs in there. Maybe you should heat up some of that mac and cheese from the other night. And so I pulled it out of the fridge, put it in the microwave, didn't actually turn it on. And I kind of caught myself and was like, oh, wait, am I really hungry right now? Actually, I'm not. I am preemptively eating thinking I didn't have enough of a certain food and I don't want to get hungry later. And maybe I should eat a little bit more now. And, and it's, you know, really okay, if I get hungry later, I can have a snack. If I get hungry later, I can still go heat up that mac and cheese. You know, like it's, it's still going to be there. So it's just being, you know, being aware that the, the thoughts that are driving it um, and, you know, again, looking at it with curiosity and from that detective standpoint, not from a place of blame and shame and judgment. Yes. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of journaling. So I love that you brought up like um, the tracker. So I highly recommend if you're listening, just grab yourself a notebook and and keep track like urges, cravings. Um, But I'm thinking I might even keep mine in my kitchen where it's it's already right there. But I love the fact that you write it down and you could even explore your feelings at that time, especially if you're really having, you know, whatever situation you're in, if you're really having an emotional response or like we say the boredom or it's stress or like really just giving yourself a couple of minutes to jot down, you know, what's going through your head. And sometimes just the power of doing that is enough to like give you that relief that you need without going. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So journaling, whether you have time in the moment to be able to write things down, if you want to just even make a couple little mental notes and like go back and do it that night, do it the next day. That's really an important thing that is going to help you start to identify and understand um, what's really going on. And then the, the other thing too, is really just to have the, the space to, to be okay. Like being by yourself to allow your thoughts and, and emotions just to be there, to not feel like you always have to be busy and doing things and 
you know, at, at the need of someone else. And it can be kind of hard to take that time as, as a mom, as a wife, as a business owner, you know, and so really looking at how, what are the structures that you have in place? What are some of the systems? How can we really take this holistic approach and make it so that you can find, you can create that time because time is not magically going to fall into your lap. It's like, how do we really prioritize? How do we carve it out? How do we find the wiggle room? Um, you know, and look for like, for me, my, one of my issues is time. I have a nine month old. So it's like, okay, well, how do I get him on a good sleeping schedule to where I can then have a better work schedule and try and also recognize that he's also not going to sleep according to my schedule all the time. <laughs> and so having the flexibility to be able to say, okay, well, this is going to move here. This is going to move there. And, you know, make, making that not a problem. Mm. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, I feel, I love that you mentioned, I'll, I'll be wrapping it up soon. I know we've been here a while, but I know that, um, you know, prioritizing because that became a big thing for me. Um, you know, in the morning when I wake up, I have so many hours before the boys wake up and like, now we're going to be going back to school routine. So before it used yeah. to be like, how many hours of work can I cram in and get in? And then, um, right that kind of switched as I started experiencing some, you know, different aches and pains and health things. It, it switched to like, how can I take care of myself in the morning? Then work doesn't come yeah. until I've, I've done like my stretching, my workout, my meditation, whatever it is that I need to do that morning. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then work comes and that's made a huge difference. And even when work, when I create one in and it's like, just crack your laptop and just write a few little things. I'm like, no, <laughs> No, <laughs> right. No. You can just read a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> read one email, you know, just no. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think that that can be done too. Prioritizing because then I tell myself, I can't show up to do all the work that I want to do and all these amazing things that I want to do and talk to these people if I'm not taking care of me. Right. Mm -hmm, because that's, mm -hmm. that's really, um, I think a lot of times we just take our health and our wellness for granted until it's you know, lets us know, Hey, I'm here. You need to focus on me now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, I had this like really bad, like knee pain the other week and it turned out it was like from my hips being kind of imbalanced and one of them in particular being really tight. And so, yeah, it's like, we'll stop and we'll pay attention when it hurts enough, but it's like, are we willing to stop and do that when things don't hurt yet as like a vitamin instead of a, you know, painkiller. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. So Jillian, let us know where are we able to find you at online? If somebody wants to come and connect with you. Yeah. So you can find me at bodyyoucrave.com. So there you'll find, I've got a free end emotional eating workshop where I go over and I really dive into what is emotional eating and how what are the steps and the processes that we, that I take clients through so that you can start to take some action and, and get the extra support if you feel you need it. So you'll be able to find that workshop. You'll also find a link to my podcast called Body You Crave, um, where I dive more into both the science and the psychology around food and nutrition and weight loss. Uh, because I don't believe that you, like, I don't think weight loss always has to be part of diet culture. I think we can lose weight, you know, eating the foods we love without being a part of the just eat less and exercise more kind of mantra that's out there. Uh, we just have to start to look at, again, like solving the right problem. So yeah, the best place is, is going to be online there. Awesome. I will make sure that um, everything is linked in show notes. So you'll be able to scroll down and just connect right away with Jillian. 
I just have to say this has been an incredible talk. We could probably talk on and on, I'm sure, about many. Yeah, more right. <laughs> We're on a roll. But um, I just have to thank you giving your time being here today, sharing with us. I feel like you gave us so many amazing things. I highly, highly encourage you if you're listening to start yourself a tractor, a tracker, especially if, you know, uh, yes. emotional eating or overeating or any, any kind of disordered eating is something that you struggle with. Um, it's just becoming self-aware, like Jillian said, it is the first and I think the biggest step that you can take to make any changes in your life with anything. So Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. Make sure that you subscribe to and follow the show so that you're able to get all the updates when a new episode releases. And make sure that you come and connect with me over on Instagram. My handle is at underscore Christy Martin. Just pop into my DMs. Let me know what you loved about the podcast today. Let me know what you want to hear more of. Um, Let me know your favorite takeaways. I love to be able to hear from you. And I will see you next week.